Behold, in the day of thy fasting, thy own will is found. There are two types of saints, we might say, whom we encounter during our 40-day Lenten pilgrimage. There are, first of all, all of the great personages we encounter in the Old and New Testaments who are our models throughout this time, especially because so often they are great sinners who became great saints. That's all of the Holy Apostles, St. Mary Magdalene, and the illustrious persons of the Old Testament as well. And then there is another type of saint whom we encounter during Lent, that is, the saints who are on the liturgical calendar. The saint calendar is more sparse during February and March, as the Church always wished not to crowd too many saints on the calendar when we should give priority to the ferias of Lent, the proper Mass for each day of this time of penance. Certain saints, however, are to be found on the calendar. Notably, two of our patrons in the Institute of Christ the King, St. Thomas Aquinas and St. Benedict. And today we commemorate a saint. We still celebrate the Mass of Friday after Ash Wednesday, but we commemorate a saint who is to be found on the calendar. Normally his feast day was yesterday, but because it is leap year, it is today. That is St. Gabriel of the Sorrowful Virgin. The immediate reason why his feast is to be found here on the calendar is because he died on February 27th. Furthermore, the Church permits his feast to be kept, or at least commemorated, during this time of year, if it falls during Lent, because they see him as a very worthy patron. The Church sees him as a worthy patron during this time of year, one to be invoked and indeed imitated. St. Gabriel of the Sorrowful Virgin, his name in life was Francesco Posenti, so he was a young man, an Italian in the early 19th century, who led a very happy life in the world. He was a very handsome and popular young man. He was indeed known as, as a ladies' man. He was always invited to parties and was a favorite at parties and was a very fine dancer. In the midst of this, however, there was always a religious vocation tugging at him. He even became very ill and implored the intercession of the Blessed Virgin for his healing, promising then to embrace his vocation if he would be healed. He was healed and then forgot about his promise. And he became ill again. Finally, though, he did embrace his religious vocation, leaving behind his past life and only went a few years into his vocation because he was very sickly and eventually succumbed to the tuberculosis which had tormented him. And so he only died in his early 20s. 
The church, though, places his feast on the calendar. He's a patron saint of youth and a patron saint for all of us as we begin our Lenten journey. Just to read from the very short epistle for his Mass today, we have the very appropriate words of St. John in his first epistle. I write unto you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, nor the things which are in the world. If any man love the world, the charity of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the concupiscence of the flesh, the concupiscence of the eyes, and the pride of life, which is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passeth away, and the concupiscence thereof, that he that doth the will of God abideth forever. The epistle for St. Gabriel's Mass announces to us our threefold enemy against whom we are to do battle during Lent. What all spiritual authors refer to as the threefold concupiscence. Concupiscence of the flesh, concupiscence of the eyes, and the pride of life. We might ask right away, now that we know for sure where this phrasing comes from, from the inspired word. Why is it called a threefold concupiscence? The first two, yes, but the third one, the pride of life. How is this also grouped under something called concupiscence? St. Thomas Aquinas explains to us that all three of these are indeed a form of concupiscence, but the third one is different from the first two. When we use the word concupiscence in this way, It refers to the entire faculty of the lower part of our soul, that is, all of the passions, that is, anything having to do with passions, emotions, and desires, whether in one direction or the other, whether tending towards soft and pleasing things or toward the surmounting of difficult things. Both these things belong to the lower part of our soul, to the passions. As for the first two, we understand that concupiscence of the flesh is the movement of this faculty toward our soul, towards some good related to human preservation, either the preservation of ourselves as an individual, and that is gluttony when it is inordinate, or the preservation of the human race, and when that is inordinate, It is called lust. All sin, St. Thomas reminds us at this point, all sin is in fact due to the inordinate love of self. He states that quite simply, and we should remember it. Inordinate love of self is the cause of all sin. All sin is in fact the turning away from the Creator in order to embrace a created good. When we think about it for a moment, another excellent point that our Master makes, we never really love anything. We love ourselves. When we desire some created good, 
We always desire it for our sakes. And so we cannot ever say truly that we love a created thing. We simply love ourselves and for our sake love some created good. Then there is a movement of our soul that can be inordinate, and indeed often is, due to original sin, which does not tend simply to that basis part of the soul, the lower passions, and the preservation of us as human beings, but toward something that indeed goes through the body, through the senses, and is presented to the mind. Sometimes we simply fix on an object of our eyes, which take in the most information, for its own sake. That is the vice of curiosity. Or something may be proposed to our eyes, and the eyes in turn propose it to our soul, which then considers the good behind the things that are seen. That, when it is inordinate, leads to greed, or also here we could use the term vanity. It is not always money or any form of material riches that we are after, but sometimes simply the delight in such things. Also, having a very bad habit of looking in the mirror all the time is part of concupiscence of the eyes. Then finally, the pride of life. This is another part of the passions not which tends towards things that are easy, but towards things that are hard. It is a very important part of being a human being. It is how we accomplish great things. But when it is inordinate, it is called the pride of life. It is the philosophy of carpe diem, seize the day, not for God's glory, but for our own. It is an inordinate striving after one's own excellence. This, of course, leads to the vice of pride, but not far away from this also are the vices of envy and, indeed, sloth, which is how we understand that someone could be a workaholic, someone could be striving and very zealous for all kinds of passing material things that have another, or another horror and disgust and spiritual sadness when faced with the prospect of having to do spiritual things. And that's what sloth is. I began by citing the epistle of St. John, as we find in St. Gabriel's feast day today, as the reference for this threefold concupiscence. But you may know that there is another scriptural reference that comes far earlier, indeed at the very beginning. If we wish to find this threefold concupiscence, We have only to return to the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 3, the fruit is presented to Eve, and if we follow the original text very closely, we understand what is meant here when the scripture tells us, she saw that the fruit was good to eat, pleasing to the eyes, and desired to make one wise. Yes, this threefold concupiscence of the flesh, the eyes, and the pride of life, of being 
as we sadly say in English, worldly wise, was presented to the mother of the human race. And so by succumbing, this wound of original sin grows ever worse. It is during Lent, then, that we are to find the remedy for our threefold concupiscence. And the remedy is to be found in our threefold practice of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Fasting, of course, counters the concupiscence of the flesh. The concupiscence of the eyes in all its forms, vanity, greed, even curiosity, is to be countered by the virtue of generosity. By generous giving of one's goods, and the giving of one's time and oneself. And the pride of life is to be countered especially, especially is it to be rooted out by the practice of prayer. As we had a beautiful example yesterday with the centurion, Lord, I am not worthy. This whole program, this whole solution is in fact beautifully summed up in the epistle for today's Mass, where the Lord God reproaches all those who undertake their penitential practices now for reason of self-love. They cry out to God, Why have we fasted, and thou hast not regarded? We have humbled our souls, and thou hast not taken notice. Behold, says the Lord, in the day of your fast, your own will is found. And you exact of all your debtors. Behold, you fast for debates and strife, and strike with the fist wickedly. Do not fast as you have done until this day, to make your cry to be heard on high. Is this such a fast as I have chosen, for a man to afflict his soul for a day? Is this it, to wind his head about like a circle, and to spread sackcloth and ashes? Wilt thou call this a fast? and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this, rather, the fast that I have chosen? Loose the bands of wickedness, undo the bundles that oppress, let them that are broken go free, and break asunder every burden. Deal thy bread to the hungry, and bring the harborless into thy house. When thou shalt see one naked, cover him, and despise not thy own flesh. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thy health shall speedily arise, and thy justice shall go before thy face, and the glory of the Lord shall gather thee up. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall hear. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am, because I, the Lord thy God, have mercifully. Amen.